This doesn't make any sense. It does if you've seen as many horror films as I have. This is classic. The locked door, the scary janitor, the bloody warning, and our soon-to-be first victim. Me? Why me? Well, Kenny, it's certainly not going to be any of us. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Welcome to Gimmicks, a podcast about the high-concept, experimental, structure-breaking gimmick episodes of TV, from musicals to bottle episodes to 90s teen slasher parodies. I'm Derek B. Gale, and who's with me today? This is Will Ackerman, and I promise I am not the killer. As seen in the movie, I am not the killer. <laughs> yes. Now, hey, Will, question for you. How would you prefer to be brutally murdered? A big pencil through the head, scissors through the back, being pushed off a ledge, or having a bunch of books just dumped on you. I feel like the books, because let's be honest here, they're probably just taking a nap. They're not dead. <laughs> yeah, there weren't even that many books that fell on them. It was like five. It's not a big deal. Because <laughs> that's a minor bruise. Very minor. Very minor. Uh, we are talking about Boy Meets World, Season 5, Episode 17, entitled, And Then There Was Sean. Just real quick, for those of you who might be kind of unfamiliar with Boy Meets World, it was a sitcom that ran as part of ABC's TGIF block for seven seasons from 1993 to 2000. It was created by Happy Days writer April Kelly and Dinosaurs co-creator Michael Jacobs. Um, initially kind of built on the premise of like following a typical sitcom family, but specifically from the perspective of the younger sibling instead of like the firstborn. So in this case, it's Corey Matthews played by Ben Savage and all of his friends and family uh, following them as they sort of grow and learn life lessons. And we follow them roughly from middle school all the way through college. And it was one of TGIF's most successful and, and probably still most one of its most culturally remembered shows ran very heavily in syndication, spawned a ton of like very very popular gifts that are still used today um, and even spawned a Disney Channel sequel, Girl Meets World, I think like 15 years later, which is pretty wild. But before we get any deeper into it, Will, what is your personal history with Boy Meets World? So Boy Meets World is a show that I remember watching from the very beginning. Like it's one of those rare shows of like it was on TGIF. So of course I'm watching it on Friday evenings because I'm... Listen, for I for anyone who does not know me, I am 37. I was young in the 90s. And as a result, <laughs> like, you know, I didn't have much of a life. So I'm going to see home on Friday nights. I'm going to be watching TGIF and they whatever's on there, even if it's, you know, questionable shows about like teenage genies or something like that. I'm still going to watch the episode, watch the show. Yes, yes. Hey, this is a, this is the TGIF safe space here. We're all TGIF lovers here. Yeah. I'm also so glad that you specifically mentioned You Wish because not everyone remembers that show. And I'm always very happy when someone else remembers that that is a thing that existed and happened. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of hard not to because like this was the... This particular season that we're actually talking, that the episode we're talking about, it was the season where they had the time ball crossover yeah. between all the shows on TGIF and You Wish, which, okay, yeah, it wasn't a Teen Genie, actually, but still, regardless, You Wish was the third part, followed by Teen Angel, Sabrina Teenage Witch was the first part. And then Boy Meets World was the second. God, I forgot that Teen Angel was the same time, too. That's so wild. <laughs> oh, man. TGIF was uh, an interesting time for interesting uh, shows. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Questionable quality. Yeah. Boy Meets World, for me, it was definitely one that I always liked. I was always there for TGIF all from when I could remember it being a thing as young as I was when it started all the way until it stopped, I was there for all of it, good and bad. Um, Boy Meets World was one that for whatever reason though, I don't think I connected to it until around this season. Like I have more nostalgia for the high school, the, the last high school year and the college years than I did when they were like really young. Um, I caught a lot of it in syndication and reruns. So I've seen a lot of the earlier stuff, but like, I feel like this was the season 
where I actually like was watching it consistently every single week and like actually following the storylines and being invested in them oddly enough. Um, and I don't know if that's the popular opinion or unpopular opinion or not. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, these seasons just work, just hit for me. I mean, the show really did change a lot as it went on. The first, like, yeah. the first season, they're in middle school. Sixth grade, if memory serves me correctly, which is really weird yeah. because the next season, they're in high school, meaning just a year <laughs> disappeared between seasons. And, like, the characters changed. Like, um, for example, Topanga was this very granola hippie girl in the first season. And then she kind of normaled out after the as the show went on until i mean she kind of she got her other different like little neuroses as the show went on but still like yeah. that's the biggest case but yeah no i mean eric was just you know the was just the older brother and then he slowly became an idiot and he slowly became <laughs> a like a bit of a weird yeah. guy yeah yeah it's it is interesting to see how the show sort of changed and like I guess that's not atypical for sitcoms, especially like this sort of era of sitcoms where like continuity didn't really matter. But I do think the show is sort of interesting in that it was pretty, at least at a certain point, it did would be pretty heavily serialized. So even though like the characterization changed radically over the years at a certain point, like the continuity was pretty good by the end of it, which always kind of surprised me. Oh yeah. Like it, it basically was very much going into the, Roseanne um slight drama in the middle of your sitcom feeling that yeah. of stuff that was going on at the time oh yeah yeah no that's so true yeah I do think like one of the strong suits of this show is that like the life's lesson type of stuff was so heavily built into it that like there was never like a very special episode of boy meets world because many of them were that already kind of at its core because there is because they had that sort of dramatic through line all throughout it anyway um which is something that I feel like it's been like you could see it as kind of hokey sometimes, but I do think that that's probably one reason why it connected with a lot of people is because it did kind of feel as silly as it could be. It did always feel pretty authentic um, and did sort of, you know, it didn't like it didn't really like talk down to the audience, even knowing that a big portion of the audience were children. Oh, yeah. And it helped that pretty much almost all the actors were the right age with like one or two exceptions. And. Which, you know, sometimes makes it really weird when you go back to watch the episode and you're like, huh, she's she's in her late 20s and he's 17 and they're making Ooh, out. Weird. weird. <laughs> she's obviously pregnant in this scene and he uh, and he's not. Well, of course, he's not. But you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. TV. Weird stuff sometimes. Boy Meets World will be right back on TGIF. Ah, the mystical land of TGIF, where anything can happen and usually does. TGIF. It's just another way to say... TV is good. Say a man's home is his castle. I built this castle. Put in the air conditioning myself. Laid the wall-to-wall -wall sleeping bag. Yep, a great house. Unfortunately, it's in a really bad neighborhood. I live right next door to... Mr. Matthews. My teacher! Mr. Matthews, are you studying for tomorrow's test? Remember, when you buy or build a home, location, location, location. Boy Meets World, this fall on ABC. Friday night. You're grounded. Congratulations. TGIF, we'll get you through it. Speaking of weird stuff, this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I love this episode. This is one that I remember watching as it aired and being kind of blown away by how bananas it is. Because uh, the gimmick of this particular episode, it's a very well-remembered one. Um, it's, this, you know, this, this funny little family sitcom just goes full bore into slasher movie pastiche, complete with, like, systematic, sort of pseudo-graphic kills. Like, every character dies one by one. They're trying to uncover the identity of the killer. And it's very much riding on that crest of the sort of 90s slasher revival that's just happened, right? Like, this comes out, 98, Scream, Scream 2, I Know What You Did Last Summer, all of those have come out in rapid succession over the last couple of years. They're huge, they're big hits. There's a whole new wave of, like, 90s teen slashers that come out to varying degrees of quality around that time, but it is sort of, like, the big kind of genre, the big, not new genre, but like newly revitalized genre that's big at the time. So it almost kind of makes sense that they'd 
do something to reference that at the time. Um, Will, do you have like a like a history with this sort of like slasher horror genre of the time? Oh yeah, like so. I will fully admit, horror movies uh, were a thing that I avoided for most of my youth. But Scream, Scream was the film that kind of turned me around as far as horror went. Like, I watched Scream probably, like, 2000, 1999, 2000, someplace in there. And then I was like, okay, you know what, I, I, I can actually like this. I can, and going back and watching, you know, other shows, like, I remembered watching this episode when it came out and knowing what it was a reference to, but not actually, you know, ha- having, you know, these plot material knowing how meta scream is and how meta the episode as a result is yeah so like and honestly like the late 90s teen slasher boom was was a very good age for horror films and actually another thing is this isn't even the only show that decided to do its own its own slasher episode at the time because i mean there was this dawson's creek which that's weird because it's kevin williamson did his own (laughs) take off of his own show of his own movies on his own show amazing i didn't even realize that (laughs) yeah um popular which was a very short-lived um teen show did a slasher episode where the killer's wearing a joan collins mask not wait was it joan no it was not joan collins it was joan crawford Oh, I mean, both of those are good picks for a scary killer mask either way. Yep, the, that's, um, that's genius. The Clueless sitcom spinoff did a slasher episode that was also very meta. In w- and the it has like one of my favorite lines in it that's very, you know, self-referential. Oh my God, they're killing all the secondary ca- characters. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And then Family Matters had a episode called Steevil where Steve Urkel had an evil puppet that started killing everyone in the family. I do remember that one because I feel like that episode, they didn't even reveal it as a dream or anything at the end of it. It was just like, it is what it was. They all just died at the end and then don't mention it ever again. Yeah. <laughs> like... And then they had a sequel episode <laughs> a year later. I mean, that show is in its whole other, its its own other realm of just like bizarre television and bizarre route for a television show to take. So I'm not surprised. (laughs) Scream is probably one of my, it is one of my favorite films franchises of all time. And I think of the horror genre specifically, I think it is just my favorite horror franchise period and i think i was kind of like you where i i didn't really i didn't really dabble much in horror for the longest time and scream i think really was my true entry point into like kind of appreciating like oh these can be really fun like and really smart like i'd I'd seen some horror movies as as a kid but it would usually be sort of far and few in, in between and it'd either be like much older or they would be like the horror movies that kind of bridged on sci-fi like you know like Cronenberg's The Fly or something like that like where it's arguable whether or not you'd even consider it horror I think with Scream it's like oh seeing a bunch of people just get like killed off and it and seeing the blood and just just gruesome murder all over the place can be like incredibly entertaining in a way that I appreciate I think a big part of it was the self-awareness that it had that felt very new at the time but and also just the fact that like it was very smartly written but not not like trying to be artsy at the same time. It's sort of like it's well-written in that the characters make sense. The plot makes sense. Everything's structured very well, but it also sort of knows at the end of the day that it has to just be a very fun ride and like nails that really well. And I think that like every scream movie, even the worst one has at least been like a fun movie. And like a lot of the other ones that exploded around that time, at least like to varying degrees, always were like fun, even if they were like bad and God awful. And I think that that was like a really big reason why they excelled so well at the time. 100%. I mean, I, there are a couple, uh, hell Halloween, like got a revival around this time with Halloween H2O, which is arguably like one of the best in the series. And it does it by, you know, still being like true to the Halloween formula while also, you know, embracing this new like teen slasher craze that's going on. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's so funny to look back on those movies now because I also think that like, you know, obviously meta self-awareness 
just continued to explode and is like still all over the place now to a point that sometimes it's almost kind of exhausting how meta something can be. But I think that like the way that those movies really balanced it where it's like, like we're going to be self-aware and like these are teenagers that exist in a world where horror movies exist and they know the rules, which like this episode even kind of capitalizes on. But like that doesn't mean that like you can't also sort of take the material seriously to an extent. Um, and that balance, I think, like lets those movies, I think, still hold up really well, even to this day. Yeah. And I mean, when you go and look at the when you look at the teen slasher craze, like you, the point where it started to go downhill was pretty much when you had films that were either too meta or too serious for their own good. And yeah. pretty much like the films that innovated kept going forward. I mean, and then also you did hit the case where we were starting to get into the saw cabin fever era of horror films where it became all like torture porn and stuff and which you know yeah. once again staying slightly on on subject because Ryder Strong is in Cabin Fever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> TGIF will be right back and so will I. Don't go anywhere. It's Halloween on TGIF. What a perfect night for a cat to talk on Sabrina. I urge you to accept me as your ruler. Teen Angel turns into a little devil. Yeah. And boy meets Sabrina. Why are you so nervous? Then on your wish, it's Mummy versus Genie. Always the snatch. Plus a frightful Halloween bash from Hollywood's Magic Castle. Halloween, it could only be on TGIF ABC tonight. Welcome back to TGIF's frightful Halloween bash. I have a feeling the lovely Topanga won't be smiling for long. Let's find out why. It's such an interesting time for for horror movies. It's such a kind of an exciting time. And I and it, it is funny, and you know, you were you were listing all these other shows that do their slasher episode. I do think that Boy Meets World still kind of stands out for doing it because it is a show that like I think was very heavily it, it was truly catered to like all audiences like it was the kind of show where you could watch it as a young kid and appreciate it you're as a teenager you're not going to be embarrassed to watch it and, and as an adult it's not like too stupid for you to be annoyed by it either like it is truly all audiences so like knowing that this was a tgif show with like probably still having a a, a pretty genuinely large like audience of young children watching it the fact that they still committed to a pretty surprisingly brutal slasher episode oh, yeah. like there's not blood there's not really like blood in it but like that doesn't mean that some of these deaths aren't pretty gory even without that like as gory as you could get on tgif in 1998 you know <laughs> well i mean it kind of also helped that boy meets world so going to season five of boy meets world i think this is probably like the series of the high point of the series season four and season five like the last two of the high school years sure season five had a surprising amount of episodes that could definitely be considered like gimmick episodes sure because season four season five first off we have the i already mentioned no guts no cory which is the world war ii time ball episode Mm -hmm. but also you had um boy meets real world which is a takeoff of the real world in Boy Meets World, you had <laughs> Witches of Pembroke, which was actually the Halloween episode this season. Then there was Sean is not the Halloween episode, which is the most awesome part about it. Because any other so show, this would have been the Halloween episode. Instead, right. you have an episode where um, where Candace Cameron is a witch who wants oh, love to sacrifice... Um, sacrifice Jack to the devil so she can she and her coven can gain immortality. That episode fucks so hard. I that episode is ridiculous and I love it so much. Yeah, and it's one hundred percent the reason why I have the headcanon that Eric and Jack are are a couple. I mean, sure, it has to make. I mean, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. You watch the show. I mean, they they're, they're very much a couple. Yeah. But also, and then after this point, you had um, Eric Hollywood, which is an episode where Eric. Um, gets on a TV show called Kid Gets Acquainted with Universe, <laughs> in which everyone is playing a version of themselves as a version of themselves. God, this show's so fun. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and of course, season seven, you have the standard noir episode. Right, right. Because you always have to have a noir episode. Of course, yeah, yeah. 
it's and it's interesting, you know, you, you point out that they're doing all this stuff in season five. Um, when I was looking up, uh, there's a great oral history that Hollywood.com did back in 2014 about this episode specifically. And one of the one of the things that they talk about very early in it when they were coming up with these ideas is that like they felt comfortable doing an episode like this. And I think, you know, any other weird episode because it's sort of like. Look, we're we're five seasons in. People are familiar with our show at this point, and it's also entirely possible that we'll get canceled at any given season. This might be our last one, so why not just like go for it? If we have a weird, fun idea that's going to help keep it fresh and that's going to help people have fun, right? So why not just do it? Um, so they're like, we're confident we didn't think it would be too weird, even if, even if it was weird, because I don't know why not. And the episode itself was spawned from uh, the writer of the episode, Jeff Minnell. He apparently was like, at the same time of working on Boy Meets World, he was also writing freelance movie reviews for New York Times and Hollywood Reporter. So like, he always kind of had his toes in the film industry as much as in TV. And so obviously when Scream comes out and is like a huge hit, like everybody's talking about it, right? He's also kind of part of that where it's just like, this movie's really cool. I want to find some way to work this movie into our show. Um, and the easiest way obviously to do that is with like a Halloween dream episode. And what's so funny is that, you mentioned like this episode didn't come out in Halloween. This wasn't their Halloween episode all over that oral history. They're like, yeah, the Halloween show. Yeah. The episode we were doing for Halloween. Yeah. It's Halloween. And like never actually mention or explain why it got pushed back to February. <laughs> I don't, I still don't know why they decided to do that and thought that that would be fine. The only thing that I would guess is just because it had to fit into the serialized Corey Topanga breakup story. But like, it is such a wild swing that it's like they do an episode like this where the easiest explanation to say it's Halloween, it doesn't matter, and they don't put it on Halloween at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you almost, the thing is, like, I think the episode works better because it's not a Halloween episode, because it's happening in the middle of February. It's happening sure. during Sweeps Week, but also because it is happening as part of, you know, the ongoing storyline of Topanga and Corey's breakup that was happening at the time, because it's like a big part of the motivation for one of the characters in the episode. And mm -hmm. also it's just, Without that, I think it just becomes a standard Halloween dream. Oh, there's a killer episode, and yeah. I don't think it works as well. None. That's that is a good point. Yeah, because like the emotional through line, I think, and sort of the, the the sort of bizarre way that it ends, I think, is one reason why it's as memorable as it is. Because I remember watching it at the time and just being like, "What the fuck is this? What?" Uh, but then it sticks in your brain, and it's sort of like, "Oh, but that does make sense for." the character actually. So like, it actually feels like it feels like a necessary piece of the story rather than just this random non-canon little romp, which is still fun. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't have had any issues if that's all it was, but the fact that like it actually ties into Sean's like character development, like is really fascinating and really cool. The way this episode was made too, I think is really interesting because they, they actually like when they when they decided to go for it, I think they also recognized that it would be kind of complicated to make. And so they actually ended up shooting it very differently than they normally do. They said that there's only a couple of scenes, I think probably the beginning and end that are actually shot in front of a live audience, um, which, you know, most of the time the show normally is because it's a multicam show. Uh, but in this case, the majority of it wasn't shot in front of an audience. They actually shot it a lot more like a single cam show. Um, like they did it out of sequence. They did a lot more of these like dynamic steady cam shots in like different locations. And so I wouldn't go as far as to say the episode is like cinematic or anything, but it's definitely like a more cinematic vibe than the show normally has, um, you know, which works because it's a film homage, but also it's not even taking place in the show's reality because it's in a dream. So it makes sense. Imagine that you show up for the recording of the, an episode and they're like, Hey, so we're all, you're going to get to watch this scene. You're going to get to watch this scene and okay, cool. Have a good day. I know. Right. <laughs> I, I almost <laughs> imagine they have to have like recorded like the, either the episode before or episode after like with the yeah. audience after that point when just said everyone there, the rest of this episode is going to be shot. Um, without you, but here's you as a special treat. Here, watch this part. Here, watch that part. Right, right. I would be so curious to just be like, okay, but what was that story going to be, though? What is this? <laughs> Why is he talking about killing people? I don't understand. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's really fascinating, um, and it does show in this episode, I think, because uh, it, it it definitely is a different looking episode than than any other one is. There's some really good quotes in that oral history. Um, I won't just like repeat all of it. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but it is a nice read because a lot of the stuff that like the director Jeff McCracken talks about is this sort of striking this balance of like recognizing like. We know we have a young audience. We don't want them like running to their parents saying it's a horror show and they can't sleep for a week. Like they want it to be like scary enough to be fun, but like not so scary that it's, you know, like actually going to terrify children and traumatize anybody. So that's how they sort of come up with like, uh, you know, we're going to if there's somebody's going to get stabbed in the head with a pencil, which is violent. But, you know, when he falls, there's no blood. Uh, it's just going to be like a pencil trail behind them. So there's always going to be some laugh that breaks the suspense. Uh, you know, there's there's always going to be something that makes it funny. And so you end up getting this episode that like has these really kind of genuine scares in them. But there's always this like wink, wink kind of thing happening or there's like a ridiculous joke that happens behind it or something incredibly goofy happens that sort of blunts it. And I think that that was sort of their way to like get it past the censors. Cause it's like, no, but it's funny though. Everybody's going to laugh at this violence that's happening on screen right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like a part, big part of why they had like the, the pencil gag in particular. I mean, they ha why it's immediately followed by a joke is because if you have a joke right after a big scene of violence, people are not going to focus as much on the violence and the fact that this yep. guy had a pencil stuck directly through his brain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think it works. This episode's fun as shit. Um, and it's like a really well-remembered one too. Like I was looking up just kind of the general reception for it and stuff. And like this episode is all over the place on like best episode lists and best Halloween episode lists. Again, even though it's not a Halloween episode, it still shows up on them because it's still a great episode to watch on Halloween. I think that they would like re-air it on Halloween all the time too, whether on ABC or IBC family. Like it is the perfect kind of thing for it because it is so fun. Um, they say in the oral history that there was like, a little tiny bit of backlash like to be expected of some angry parents like mailing in about their kids being scared or whatever. But like, it sounds like it wasn't really even as, as big of a backlash as they expected. It might be like, it seems like people just, most people tended to get the joke pretty well, whether that's, you know, thanks to the fact that the scream movies and were already so big or just the fact that the episode just handles the tone really well, either way, like it ends up working and like, People, I think, I think this is one of, if you were to ask anyone, like, what are your five episodes of Boy Meets World that you remember the most vividly? I feel like everyone's going to have this one on that list, you know? Oh yeah, 100%. Well, let's start, uh, let's start talking about some specifics in it, because this episode's got a lot of fun stuff in it. When this Boy Meets World, Boy Meets World, If you want to watch along with us, it is streaming on Disney Plus. Uh, this episode entitled And Then There Was Sean. Um, I always like getting the synopsis from IMDb for these just to see how they try to summarize like weird episodes. This one definitely doesn't get it. <laughs> the synopsis for IMDb is the gang finds themselves locked in the school all alone during detention. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, you know, I mean, it's correct. It's not but... <laughs> I guess if you're, you know, that afraid of spoilers, it's not going to spoil anything for you. The original air date was February 27th, 1998. Uh, I mentioned it before, but it was written by Jeff Minnell, who primarily is known as being a writer on Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World, and directed by Jeff McCracken, uh, who is an executive producer on this show, as well as being a producer on Dinosaurs. Uh, also directed on NYPD Blue, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and You Wish. Had to come up again. So the setup for this episode, this is like after Corey and Topanga have just broken up, basically, is where the story starts. It doesn't matter exactly why or how it happened. The point is that they have broken up and like it is affecting Sean. And so it's affecting them so much that like they all have this like collective outburst in Feeney's class, like right, uh, right at the beginning of the episode. Hey. Topanga, can I uh, borrow your big pencil? They're not divorced, Kenny. It's just a trial separation. And don't think I don't know what borrow a pencil means, okay? Nobody. Nobody's borrowed more pencils than Sean Hunter. Hey, thanks for not getting in the middle of this. 
He was just asking for a pencil. I know what he was asking for, and if he asks again, I'll stab that big pencil through his heart. You hear me, Kenny? <laughs> Why is Sean so obsessed with you two? I don't know, but he's almost taking it harder than me and Corey. We'll return to the young and the restless right after this word from Judy. And here is the word. Shut up. Like, it's all a big mess, and it's all very over the top. Um, I think it's also very funny. But it's enough of an outburst that they have that to, to annoy Feeney and bit, get him to throw them all into detention, basically. I mean, I can't... It's... That's a good establishing for everything going on. I like the fact that during all of this, during all of the, like, we still get in a few gags, a few jokes. I I can't remember if it's here or if it's, I know it's a little bit later, but also you get a, the, you get the creepy janitor, Freddy. Yeah. Which Freddy is awesome. Oh yeah. No, he does show up like in this scene. Cause he like interrupts the class. Cause that's, it's weird. The reason that they end up ultimately getting thrown into tension. Feeney's like, okay, one more outburst and you're all thrown into tension. And then the janitor shows up and just like, empties the trash and points at them creepily. And he's just like, all right, that's it. And like, then you cut to them in detention. So apparently like the janitor was enough to just send him over the edge, I guess. <laughs> and of course, you know, the Freddy is an obvious reference to Freddy Krueger. Right. Yeah. It's, it's good. I like it. I like, I like how they use the janitor in this. And he's like, he's, he's, he is, he, the actor does very well to play him as just being like creepy and just everyone's reactions to him like everyone just kind of freezes and stares at him whenever he passes by it's very good yeah. <laughs> and i love how though feeny's like I, all of you are going to detention and then it's just the four main characters and kenny <laughs> i know yeah yeah it's really good i love the setup for that it's really funny uh, yeah, it's just like obvious, like, and, and, and they play up right from the get go of this Kenny guy just being like an interloper on their dynamic. Like, he's just like, I just want a pencil. And then I love the joke, like later on in the scene during the argument. I'm sure if you recall the pain of being stabbed in the back by a girlfriend. I didn't stab him. He stabbed me. Oh, I'd stab myself before I'd stab you. <laughs> Kenny, give me that pencil. I don't have one. <laughs> yeah, they, they use him really well. When they do end up in detention uh, later on, Feeney leaves them in there alone because he's like, I don't, I don't have to just hang out here with y'all, but that doesn't mean you're not being watched. Um, so he leaves, but then very creepily, no one gets alive, just shows up on the chalkboard written in blood. Um, though it's so funny looking at it because it's like clearly like <laughs> printed <laughs> on there. Yeah. Like it doesn't look like blood at all. Like it is a blood font that they used. It's great. The other gag that I like is they also hear a heartbeat in the hallway. All right. You're the horror film expert. What's that? That's the sound of our beating hearts. It signifies our heightened fear and the fact that something horrible is about to walk in that door right now. <laughs> Only to find that it's Eric and Jack just bouncing a basketball in the hallway. Hidey ho. <laughs> Yeah, the first of, like, multiple South Park references, um, which also is so funny to me because, again, this is a show that, like, a lot of children are watching, and they're just like, you know what? South Park is big. Everyone knows what it is, so we're going to reference South Park. Why not? <laughs> yeah, even if you haven't watched South Park, you know the broad strokes of the jokes of South Park. Exactly. Eric and Jack are in college at this point, right? So why are they hanging out at the high school? Well, I mean, as <laughs> first off... Spoilers, we're in a dream sequence. That's true, so it doesn't matter. But secondly, <laughs> I mean, as like Eric sa as Eric says, he misses the smell of the of the boys' room, so I guess like <laughs> that's a thing. Okay, buddy. Okay, buddy. Okay. There's some other good jokes in this. I I, I they they still hammer in like Kenny not being part of the group. All I wanted was a pencil. <laughs> oh shut up, Kenny. You're lucky to even be here. I don't happen to see it that way. <laughs> You're lucky to be part of this main plot line, random new character. And there's even like a bit, I think when they see the chalkboard with the blood written on it, like everybody is huddled together except Kenny, who's just like kind of awkwardly standing to the side. Like <laughs> it's uh, it's great. Can you believe this? Feeney locked us in. He can't do that. It's against the Geneva detention convention. <laughs> this is a violation of the Geneva detention convention. <laughs> I love that line reading. And yeah, also so Geneva Det Detention Convention would also be a great name for a band. Oh, no, totally would. It's such a fun thing to say. I love the 
those sounds together. It's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it was also in the last scene, but there's but there's also another line I love that it Mr. Feeney is saying, This class will not be more interested in the romantic goings on of its students than it is with whatever the hell I'm teaching. <laughs> Let me get back to whatever it is I teach. Yeah. yeah. Because it's getting across, like, literally in these shows, like this or Saved by the Bell or any high school show, the teachers tend to teach what the episode needs them to be. So this episode, Feeney's teaching geography. Next episode, he might be teaching literature. Yeah, right. No, I love it. I love that it's like even there's that self-awareness, like even at the beginning before they even get into the dream stuff. It's uh, it's it's very good. Um, it's it is really funny. And like, yeah. And I mean, this this is the whole sequence where like they start figuring out like, OK, well, it seems like we're in a horror movie right now. The door is locked. Like you got the creepy janitor, the blood on the wall. Okay, so there's going to be, it's just, Sean figures out it's a slasher movie and, like, explains the horror movie logic. They're all kind of like, okay, but we know that, like, every episode of this show, Feeney teaches us some life lessons. So this is probably Feeney trying to teach us a life lesson through some weird elaborate prank. It's all fake. Feeney's pulling some elaborate hoax. Why? Well, why does Feeney do anything to teach us something? What's he trying to teach us? To pay attention or we die. Which is also a funny like bit of self-awareness, I think. I also love the bit where as they're explaining it, it's sort of like, well, you know. This is classic. The locked door. The scary janitor. The bloody warning. And our soon-to-be first victim. Me. Why me? Well, Kenny, it's certainly not going to be any of us. What are you doing? <laughs> Kenny's clearly going to be the first one that gets killed first in the slasher movie. It's like, well, why, why would it be me? And I love Ben Savage's line reading of like, well, it's certainly not going to be any of us. I mean, what are you thinking? And they all are laughing about it, even though they're literally just telling this kid, yeah, you're going to die. It's like, but you're not a main character. You're not, you're not listed in the opening credits. Like, why would you, die? why would any of us die? You aren't even a guest star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good shit. But speaking of that, the first kill that we get is in this room because the lights go out. When they come back on, Kenny is dead. We'll always remember he was that tall. <laughs> oh my gosh! They killed Kenny! Yeah! Cue, oh my god, they killed Kenny, uh, which is expected but also very welcome. I love that that's there. And yeah, we referenced that before, but he's dead because there's like this gigantic pencil just like plunge through his skull and he slides down, leaving like a pencil mark behind it instead of blood. Well, we'll always remember that he's this tall. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Everybody's reactions to these horrible things. Cause it always like turns from like their initial reaction is horror. And you have like Angela being the squeak, the scream queen, which I love that they give that to her. Um, and then it's like immediately like, yeah, this is really goofy, isn't it? And I, I love, I love that that balance that they strike with that. Oh yeah, like Angela as a first off, Angela on the show period is like just awesome. Like I, mm-hmm. I love the character of Angela. She's uh, some reading later on, you know, some of the crap she went through on set is just you know absolutely heartbreaking. But yeah. Also, um, if you're paying attention, like I said earlier, she's pregnant in this episode. I was wondering. I was wondering. It, that, Yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> because, like, she's in her late 20s and everyone else in the cast is much younger. And, you know, she's just, I, I mean, hey, it's a job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's good on the show. Like, she has good chemistry with the cast. It's just never not going to be weird. There's yeah. <laughs> no way around that. Oh, yeah. Um, like... <laughs> During the first year of the pandemic, like in 2000, they actually had a like watch through of the episode with the cast. I ended up watching that um, in, when we, I was getting ready for this. And one of the things oh, that nice. she said about the line reading is when they were doing the um, script read, she basically just she didn't really do the b- big scream like they knew she could. But ba- she's pretty much said, listen, I can either do this here and you, in the episode, you are. I'm going to. You're not going to be able to hear me say anything, or I, you can have the line ring here, and then I'll give you the real scream. And she gave us the real screams, definitely. Oh my god, that's amazing! I love it. I love it. She's good at it. She's a good screamer. Oh yeah. So the next kill happens um, in the hallway because there's this whole sequence 
where the group, you know, I think Sean tells them like, well, obviously by horror movie rules, all the doors are going to be like locked. We're not going to be able to get out of the school, which of course cues everyone to just like run back and forth. It is like so hilarious and ridiculous because there it's like a, it's like a whole like Scooby-Doo sequence. Like they're all like in like a clustered group, just running back and forth up the hallways, like searching for doors. And then after that, like when they're walking around through the hallway, like that's when they start kicking in like the steady cam, like the or like the handheld cam, like watching them all through. Uh, and it's like suddenly like just looks very different. And you even get a glimpse of like their sort of ghost face stand in, which is like the killer's costume, except it's like a full party city skull mask instead of a ghost face uh, running around. I know that like ultimately it turns out to be Sean in the costume spoiler alert, but it is funny that like when you see the skull face guy running around, like he is very short, <laughs> like yeah. whoever they had in the costume is like shorter than the entire cast, which is very funny to me. Yeah. One of the things I really also love is just over the speakers. There's this like old timey music <laughs> and it's basically just saying you're going to die. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are going to die. That's right. Feeny, 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 you are so low budget. Wake up, Sean. This could not be Mr. Feeny. Yeah, it's really silly. <laughs> but yeah, you know, they're like, they... They're still thinking it could be Feeney, even though a dude's literally dead. Uh, and then Feeney, like, shows up in the hallway and just standing there. I have got to hand it to you. You have really outdone yourself this time. I mean, killing Kenny, obvious choice. <laughs> but the pencil, George, I mean, that was genius. I knew it was you all along. What's the big lesson? What were you trying to teach us? <laughs> He's standing there like frozen for a very long time while they're talking to him before he, you know, falls over dead because he has actually been stabbed in the back with scissors. Oh, yeah. And you've been playing with the scissors and he had been playing with the scissors earlier on in the episode. Right. So it's a nice callback. Didn't if I'm, if I, am I remembering correctly? Doesn't Henry Winkler, like the principal in Scream, also get killed with scissors yeah. in the first Scream? Oh, yeah. Principal Fonzie gets killed by scissors. Yeah, so I love the callback there. Another another school uh, school faculty member getting killed with scissors. Yeah, and then also also written by Kevin Williamson, the faculty, which I think probably didn't come out yet, but still, the very first kill yeah. in the entire movie is done with scissors, and it's also done on the principal. Oh, good call. Yeah, I've been meaning to rewatch the faculty because I the faculty is so good. I really loved that movie at the time and watched that a million times and haven't seen it again in years. Um, so I maybe I'll do that later this week or something. Yeah. So the next sequence, they of course are sort of like, okay, well. If Feeney didn't do it, that's one old guy down. Who's the other only other creepy old guy here that could have done this? Got to be the creepy janitor, right? And, you know, they hear the squeaky garbage bin. They find it, but the janitor isn't there because his corpse is actually in the garbage bin. So, cool. The death of the janitor signifies the end of the last of the obvious suspects. Just like in the cult classic, the last of the obvious suspects. <laughs> that would mean... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> killer is one of us like in the killer is one of us dun, dun, dun. seems like there's no other suspect so one of them has to be the killer is what sean deduces just like in one of us is the killer exactly exactly i love their ridiculous movie titles um this is also the part where like they have the you know very very prototypical conversation of like you know well in these horror movies the virgins never die right and so <laughs> there's a couple of like really good jokes that i'm like really surprised that this show snuck in well is any one of us safe yeah virgins virgins never die all right Thanks for saving me. I'm dead. I'm dead. Well, I'll, I'll get as sick as you can get without actually dying. Hey, he's dead. Hey, go feeny, go feeny, go, go, go Okay. The one, the one fun one where they just get really excited realizing that if Feeny's dead, that means he wasn't a virgin. So they're like super excited that Feeny apparently got laid at some point in his life. Yeah. Which I love that they're so happy for him. And then you have like, you have Corey thanking Topanga for, you know, not for um, both of them getting to live. 
And then you have Jack and Eric who are both, I'm dead, I'm dead. And then Sean, I'm, I'll get as sick as you can without actually dying. I cannot fucking believe they got that on TGIF. It's such a good joke, but like I'm I'm still like floored that that made it on to network television. <laughs> you you're basically saying, "Hey, this kid's gotten a hand job." It's so it's amazing. It's so funny. Oh man. I also just like one little minor thing I did notice um I I think for the most part all of the actors like are pretty good about like staying in character even when the ridiculous stuff is happening but there is a bit where like when you hear this the the squeaking uh of the garbage bin off screen like matthew lawrence he is so clearly trying so hard not to laugh like he's like visibly smiling like most of the time when he's watching it happen um and it's like super obvious i love it the next scene we get our big guest star of the episode because uh, Eric's out there standing watch in the hallway, and that's when he runs into Jennifer Love Pfefferman. Killer! You're the killer! And I know you're going to tell me you're not the killer, and because you're beautiful, you think I'm going to believe you, but I'm not! It's just like that movie, Killer, Killer, You're the Killer, and I know you're going to tell me that I'm you're not the killer. killer. I believe you. <laughs> you see, um, I'm a new student here, and, and I was in study hall, and I got locked in. I've been so frightened. You are very friendly, aren't you? <laughs> friendly enough to keep you safe from the bad, bad killer, man. Hi, Eric Matthews, and you are? Jennifer Love Pfefferman. <laughs> Such a beautiful name. Can I call you Pfefferman? Everybody does. <laughs> um, played unsurprisingly by Jennifer Love Hewitt, who apparently was was uh, Will Friedle's girlfriend at the time. Oh yeah, um, yeah, which makes it uh, less awkward when they just like immediately start making out. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, you know, oh, you just started kissing a girl you found in the hallway, um, Eric. That's yeah. gross. Yeah, yeah, yep. Like in universe gross but hey you know what you got the you got the real world meta context that makes it fine they're 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 together in real life and it's all a dream so it's okay <laughs> can i call you I, everyone does <laughs> i really love how they use jennifer love hewitt in this because they don't let her like like she's obviously their big get for the episode right like this like i know what you did last summer just came out so she's reasonably huge and so having her on here like they don't they don't have her like dominate at all. Like she has this funny scene and then she's just kind of part of the ensemble for the rest of it until she's killed off pretty quickly. And I kind of appreciate that. Like they don't like they have it for the fun of it, but they don't like dwell on it or make her do anything ridiculous. Like they get I, I feel like they get just enough jokes out of using her um, without it like, you know, being overbearing on the episode or anything. Oh, yeah. Like she screams at one point and Angela is just like, uh, uh-uh, I'm the screamer here. She's so offended. I love it. They have a little bit of a scream <laughs> off. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And she gets one very brief, like, Nev Campbell reference into it, too. <laughs> yes, girl, I am the screamer around here. Hello? Do you like scary movies? What's your favorite? Ooh, okay. Well, I like that one with the hottie hot hot from Party of Five. Nev Campbell? Duh. (laughs) There's a nice little sequence where, like, the payphone rings. It's the killer saying he's going to kill them all. Uh, And then, like, the the phone is just, like, disconnected, like, completely. Like, the wire's literally not attached and it rings anyway. Um, It's all fun dream shit. Um, And it just prompts them all to run scared into the library where we basically get, like, a rapid, like, kill lightning round because just like four people die in like the span of like a minute and a half basically (laughs) and there's like this weird little part in here where um both Corey and feppy are going are walking down the aisleway and then like you have topanga in the background just kind of staring daggers at them (laughs) and it's just like okay daniel fischel was definitely having like the time of her life there like this is just this is the kind of overacting any actor loves to do Seriously, it's so funny. I mean, yeah, when I was reading the oral history, they did have some of the actors um, talking to and they were like, 
they were just talking about like how the, the the only reason the shoot was like hard was because they kept like breaking so much. Like they kept laughing all the time because they were having so much fun and like it would, they, it would be hard to, to just film it all because they kept laughing so much. Like it gives me, this is going to sound like a, like a, like a, like a backhanded compliment. And it absolutely is not. It gives me the vibe of like a bunch of like, high schoolers in drama club just like doing like a movie in their backyard with their dad's camcorder for fun. Like it has that kind of energy to it where like everybody's just doing it for the fun and like they're not like taking it seriously in that like it's an acting job, but they're still committed to making it good at the same time. Like that's just, it's just very pure. I feel like is the vibe that I get from it. Oh yeah. And like you can tell, like most of them are real friends in real life. Like that's how it thing, how everything's working out, how the vibes are definitely working. So, you know, and the fact that we're also in the middle of a slasher is why I think it, it's just like, hey, you're normally we would just be doing some kind of weird high school drama shit. But this time around, we get to pretend to get killed. We don't get to <laughs> yeah. do this every week. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it 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 does. It feels like when you get to do like when you're in high school drama class and it's like, oh, finally, they gave me a, a skit where it's like cool, fun stuff happening. Like this isn't some like uh, they're not giving me like the old, you know, just conversation stuff like this is going to be something cool and fun. Like it, it really is like like they have played these characters for five years and get to break out of it and do something just bananas, which I think is a, kind of a common thing that comes out of these sort of gimmicky episodes, right? Where it's like, it's often something very refreshing for everyone involved because it is so wildly different from what they normally do. And like, it really does show through in this episode because like, I feel like you are, you as an audience member are responding to like the positive energy they're all giving out by having such a blast filming this like absolutely ridiculous stuff. Oh yeah. And I mean, also it doesn't exactly hurt that for a lot of them, this is going to be their one time like filming horror. I mean, sure. Ryder Strong afterwards will go on to Cabin Fever. And it's it's actually kind of weird because with all of the, you know, young Hollywood stars that got, you know, just swept up to do, hey, we need somebody to play a victim in our teen horror movie. Can Are you free this weekend? So many people get sw- swept up and almost nobody from Boy Meets World ever went on to do a horror film or was in a horror film at this time. So... You know, it's, a, it's for them. This is their one chance of be at being, you know, real horror on um, like royalty. And, you know, the fact that horror fans remember this, that for a lot of them, this is their bit. This is their introduction to the genre, even. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, I never thought about it, but I am kind of surprised that like I never saw like Danielle Fischel show up on like a direct to DVD, like see like horror sequel or something like and maybe that's because like she didn't want to or something but it just sort of seems like that's the vibe for it it is kind of surprising that none of them ever really popped up in anything else like that so these rapid deaths they're both very funny because both jennifer love pfefferman and eric are killed just by a pile of books getting pushed onto them Feffy, i'll save you I know who the killer is. Oh, save your breath, Feffy. There'll be plenty of time for that later. Eric, I'm dying. Oh, right. Okay, uh, then maybe you should tell me now. I caught a glimpse of the killer just before the books hit me. The killer's... Ah! Eric! Feffy! (laughs) Eric! Oh, he was my friend. My roommate. I didn't really know her. Like, I love that when everyone finds the finds their bodies, it really is just like the two of them just beautifully splayed on the floor, just like surrounded by a small handful of books. Like, it, it's it's so funny. And because Eric died, uh, Jack just instantly becomes suicidal because that means he won't be able to make his rent without Eric as his roommate. And it's just like about to jump off the ledge. It's so over traumatic. Sean is still your roommate. Together, you can make the rent. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's go back inside now. 
Thanks. And then Angela goes after her to like convince him not to, and then they're just both pushed off of the ledge by the killer. Yeah, because you know your roommate, you totally get suicidal if they're dead. You know, not like your boyfriend or something like that. Just saying. <laughs> oh my god, I love no that reading works so perfectly. That's why he's so distraught. Yeah, but meanwhile, I mean, literally, Angela talks him down by by reminding him, Sean is also your roommate. The two of you together will make rent. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Ugh. So everybody's dead except for Corey, Sean, and Topanga at this point. They've just like knocked them all off in these like last few minutes. Um, they confront the killer and it's like, well, why are you doing this? Why are you killing all of us? And this is so, it's so silly and hokey, but like, I get it. The killer like takes Corey and Topanga's hands and joins them together and makes them hold hands, <laughs> which is like, what? Uh, and then, the killer is unmasked and the killer is actually another Sean. So Sean somehow was the killer the whole time. Um, it's fine. Cause it was a dream. Yeah. It's very silly, but it's also like fits the vibe of boy meets world too. <laughs> like I it's, it's, it's just the, <laughs> the visual of this dude in a skull mask, like putting these two teeth, like making these two teenagers hold hands. It's just so silly. Listen, some but... people are willing to die for their ships. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I get it. Okay. That's actually a very good reading of it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you know, Sean wakes up in detention, realizing the whole thing's been a dream. Feeney's looking at you like he's going to kill you. (laughs) No, he's not the killer. I am. What? (laughs) Mr. Feeney, you can let everybody else go. It's not their fault. We're in detention. It's mine. How do you figure that? Well... Corey and Topanga aren't together anymore. Yes, I know. I, too, read Teen Beat, Mr. Hunter. And I guess I've been taking it pretty hard. And I'm sorry I disrupted the class and killed everybody, but I think I know why I did it. Pray tell. You guys have been together since before I even knew you. And if you're not, then I guess I feel like there's nothing I can depend on. And it really makes me angry that there's nothing I can do to fix that. The lesson that he has learned from this is that, like, this whole debacle in class is all his fault. The Corey Topanga breakup really affected him because, like, they've been together for, like, so such a long time. Like, he doesn't – it's almost was kind of his foundation. And if 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 uh, if they're not together, like, he doesn't really know, you know, what's right or wrong anymore. And he's just so angry that there's nothing he can do to fix it. Which I, I think that is a, kind of an interesting, like – story for a character like I don't feel like I really see that very often where it's like how uh, a breakup can affect a friend like uh, someone a, a friend if it's someone who's like very close with that couple with both of them like that is an interesting dynamic of like how that affects the friend that I do feel like isn't explored very often you know yeah uh, the closest I can remember is there is an episode there is like the entire season of that 70s show where um oh, another character named Eric and Donna are broken up and literally there's an episode where um donna steals the entire friend group by getting cable tv (laughs) it's it's interesting it's an interesting dynamic and like i think it's played really well in this because for one you know if you know the show like sean has always been a character that's had like rough home life like kind of emotional problems and stuff like that feeney even explicitly says he's a troubled young man in this scene so like it does make sense that like any sort of foundational uh, shakeup is going to very deeply affect him. You know, like it, it, I, I think with any other character, it could just be like, okay, you're annoying. It's not about you, but it makes sense for someone like him. Who's going to, who kind of feels everything very deeply and, and already sort of has struggles with like, um, you know, attachment issues and, and everything anyway, you know, that we've seen on the show. You're not responsible for this. What do you mean? This isn't your fault. Something bad happened, Mr. Hunter, but for the very first time, you're not responsible. How come I feel so bad? Well, because you're a troubled young man. I recognize that from the movie, A Troubled Young Man. <laughs> you may all go. It's obvious that you've been punished enough. And Feeney's even like, you guys have been punished enough. Detention's over. You're obviously feeling it right now. You're, you're going through it right now, buddy, so we're not going to make you go through it anymore. Um, 
and they all leave, but not before we get one last glimpse of the uh, the skull face killer dude just popping up and sneaking away. Oh yeah, and you almost had to have that in there. Mm-hmm. And they have like you know the obvious the TGIF scary music playing as he's as he's escaping. Yeah, the music in this episode is really fun because it is it is so over the top in like exactly the correct way. Yeah, <laughs> like this is what you expect from a TGIF show at the time, especially with this kind of episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's only like the only other part of this episode is that there is like an end credits tag. Um, it's, it is cute. It's just Feeney also having his own dream, except instead of it being a horror movie, it's that all of his students are perfect. But then like he wakes up and the class is like very rowdy and everything. And you just cut and you just see him like holding his scissors up, like with a murderous look in his eye. <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a public school teacher. Can you really blame him? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Especially with these like kids who are all drama queens every week. So like what, you know, how many life lessons can you teach these children before you just want to kill them? I totally get it. Yep. And then he gets, he has the chance to retire and then he decides to teach college instead. Poor guy, man. (laughs) And college dudes are so much worse than high schoolers somehow. Because at least high schoolers, most of them are like, okay, cool. I'm just here to get done with things. And with college, it's just like, oh God, half of them think they're actually smart. Yeah. Boy Meets World is like kind of his hell. Like he's just stuck with these children all the time for his entire life and just can't rest. <laughs> and he shows up in Girl Meets World at some point too, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he shows up in a few episodes of Girl Meets World. And of course, a lot of Girl Meets, uh, I'll be perfectly honest, Girl Meets World, I don't, didn't enjoy as much as Boy Meets World, but that's also because I wasn't the target audience. Sure. Yeah. I would have yeah. liked a sequel to, and then there was Sean though. Like that would have been really cute. Yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised if the show ran longer, if they would have eventually done that just because this episode was so famous and popular. Um, I mean, it would have been very different because Disney channel is going to have different standards than it now than I think that, that ABC did at the time. But like, I think that they would have done some kind of like horror pastiche to capitalize on this at some point. Um, if it ran a little bit longer, cause I don't know if the kids, they were always pretty young and only ran for three years. Did they even get to high school on that show? I don't remember. I think they just got into high school, like when the show finally ended. That makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, I think we could have seen it. I, I I would have loved to see it. This episode is just, it's so much fun. It's just so much fun. I really, um, I've seen it. I, I definitely have seen it multiple times and I really enjoyed revisiting it again. Um, did you have any other uh, general thoughts or any other notes we didn't get to or, or anything like that? I mean, honestly, like, it's a very fun episode. Like, you can actually watch this episode of Boy Meets World and have fun, even if you've never seen an episode of Boy Meets World before. I mean, yeah, do yeah. definitely get a lot more enjoyment out of it if you've seen any episode of the show before. But for the most part, I mean, it is a it's a very good way to appreciate horror. Yeah. While also, uh, while being able to appreciate, you know, just this weird TGIF comedy show. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it, it's made with a lot of love, I think. Like, I think it, it, it is very clearly, like, this isn't, like, nobody's turning up their nose to the horror genre or these, or these slasher movies. It's very clearly, like, we watch these movies, and they're really fun, and we love them, and we want to do it, too. And I think that that helps lend to the episode's fun as well, because even though it's a parody of horror movies, it's, like, a very affectionate parody. And, like, in such a way where they know what they can pull off and are allowed to pull off, and, like, within those limitations, just, like, basically turn it into a playground to, to do all the horror sequences that they want to do. And then, I mean, as a result, like... You get, like, just... Somebody afterward might be like, okay, well, you know, half these movies... All these movies that Sean referenced aren't real, but (laughs) now I'm curious as to maybe, you know, some of the stuff that they were vaguely referencing. And, I mean, yeah, this is early days of the internet, so you probably aren't going to be able to find too much information by looking around, but you still might just go to your local video store, ask ask the clerk, hey, can you recommend a good starter horror film, and then you find yourself watching Scream. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point yeah i mean at the very yeah right at the, at the very least like the the sort of tropes that they're referencing are are 
the real basic ones, right? So like it is still a thing where like kind of like you had said, it's a great entry point for horror because it's like if you are a child watching this and have either never been allowed to watch a horror movie or thought that they were too scary, you can sort of see like, oh, okay, I can sort of I kind of get some of the rules of them and what I might expect from them. This is obviously a fun, silly version of it, but like maybe I'd be ready to dip my toes into a real horror movie kind of knowing a little more what I'm in for and that it can be fun as much as it's scary. Oh, yeah. Well, cool, cool. Thanks so much for uh, talking this really fun episode of Boy Meets World with me. Um, Will, if, if people want to find you online and anything you're working on, where is the best place they can find you? I mean, follow me on Twitter. Like, mostly um, I'm at DC20 Will Save. That's D as in dog, C as in cat, 20 Will Save. And, I mean, mostly what you're going to find is me talking about whatever movies I've watched or just we're about to get into, oh, God, this is a really annoying time to be following me on Twitter because Big Brother, <laughs> the Big Brother season's about to start and I tend to go a little <laughs> overboard there. Um, as far as, like, podcasts go, I, I ha- do occasionally feature over on Earth2.net, the show. My episode, I've covered, actually... With my close friend Skylar Queen, we have covered about, we've covered the first four Scream films, we'll be covering the fifth one Halloween this year, and next year we'll be covering the sixth one, you know, God for, unless something weird happens. Nice. And then I have another project coming up I can't really say too much about, but, you know, it should be, it'll be fun. Exciting. I can't wait to see what it is. Yeah, definitely check out that Scream coverage if you enjoyed this episode, because obviously very relevant to what we were just talking about. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again. Uh, if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale or, or on my other podcasts, Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast, which does deep dives into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made and Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, which is a monthly podcast that dives into every Pixar film chronologically. You can also follow this podcast at Gimmicks Pod on Twitter and Instagram for some extra goodies and email me your questions, feedback, and corrections to gimmickspodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on all your podcast platforms. And until next time, friends, keep being weird. Love comes down upon us and it flows like water burning with the hope of inside feathers. Books the colors of a bright elation stolen in the side of love. We are, we are, we are, we're just children finding our way around in decision. We are, we are, we are, rather helpless. Take us forever, whisper to me.